0: So, um, this morning I'm just going to share a message, a word, let me just centralise me. I like to be roughly in the middle, that way those behind the pillars can get the best of me uh, when I move. So, this morning I'm going to share a a word called Great Expectations, and no, it's not Charles Dickens, I'm not going to share from Charles Dickens, um, but I am going to share about Great Expectations. Because I believe it's really important that we as Christians live with a heightened expectation in our life; that we should be an expectant people, uh, expecting God to move, expecting things to happen. Because you know, God is a God who is always on the move; He's always doing something new. And I guess as Christmas approaches, um, I think there was a—it's probably a few years ago now. There was one specific Christmas that I was really hoping for a particular item I think it was fish, was it a fishing rod that i, I there was a, there, I think it was a fishing rod. I was really really hoping for uh, a, a matching pair of fishing rods with a matching pair of reels. I was so looking forward to it. i was thinking has jane got it has has she has she found the money? Has she? And, and there was just such an expectation in my heart that maybe somewhere along the line she's been going through my pockets. I was leaving all this money in my pockets, hoping that she'd find it when she throws it in the washing to be done and or whatever else. Uh, and then there was there, my expectation of Christmas was building, and and there on Christmas Day, under the under our stable we have a stable, so all our Christmas presents go under our stable. And uh, there was well, I think you'd. Disguised the um, the rods, but um, the the boxes, the reels were there, and it's like, oh, yes, I've got what I was expecting or hoping for. I don't know really what I'm going to get this year because <laughs> <laughs> you you never know. <laughs> On Christmas Day, you never know. I might just share what I had for Christmas, <laughs> um, but anyway. Our expectation for whatever it is we may be believing for, expecting from God or expecting from one another, there is nothing that compares to the moment 2,000 years ago in the, in the area of Israel where there was such an expectation for the Messiah to come. They were so, they were so expectant of this moment that, that any moment he could appear. Prophets of old have been speaking over and over again. There is one coming. There is one coming. And, and in this moment of expectation throughout Israel, they were looking up. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a, 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 a ruler that would come and destroy uh, the Roman Empire. They, they were just looking because of the oppression that they were under, the pressure that they were under. They, they were just so expectant that something was going to take place. And the prophets were speaking messianic prophecies over and over again, that he will be born, he will come, he will do these things, and he will set you free. And because of the heightened expectation that was there, the, the people were looking. If they, 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 they saw or heard someone that was doing something great or something amazing, they were thinking, is he, is he the one? Do you know what today in our generation it's not necessarily a case of looking to when Jesus comes back. We're looking to who the Antichrist may be. I, I don't know about you. you, know, you know, when you see a ruler that's doing terrible things in a particular nation, you think, I wonder if he's a, a, a piece of, of this end time puzzle. But you know what? I think rather than looking for the antis, we should be looking for the real deal. Our eyes should be looking up to whence comes our help. We should be looking for Jesus' soon return rather than looking at who he may be or the world may be looking at to solve the issues of a dying and corrupt world in which we live. And that is exactly what was happening in Israel in that day. I want you to turn, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. And in Luke 3, we see something quite amazing going on. Luke 3 verse 15. And we know John, John the Baptist is, is doing his thing. He's baptizing. He's, he's preparing the way for Jesus to come. And in Luke 3 15, we see this. Now, as the people were in expectation, see, they were in expectation. They were ready for the Messiah to come. And all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he is the Christ or not? I just think it's amazing that all, the, all the Jewish people, all those around in Israel at that time, they were seeing John. They were seeing what he was doing. He, they were listening to his words. He was speaking some really tough things. He was, a, he was addressing people's sin. He was baptizing them in the Jordan. Something He was causing a revolution. And everyone was thinking, is this the Messiah? Is this the promised one? And they were reasoning because of the expectation. That's what it says here. Now as the people were in expectation, they began to reason in their hearts. Could John be the one? Could he be the Messiah who was promised? And I just love this, this particular passage because there was an expectation in their heart. And that's what I really want to address in our hearts, where is our expectation? At what level is our expectation? Are we just going through the daily routines of life, not really expecting much to change, not really expecting things to happen? Or are we looking to God and his word, believing that God will move in such a way, believing that his word will come to pass? And I just think it's really interesting that the people here there was a great expectation in their lives. And I'm going to come on to that in a little bit more of a moment when we look through this a little bit further. But expectation, I've written this down, expectation has the power to heighten our awareness that something is about to happen and faith to believe it will. Let me say that again. Expectation has the power to heighten our awareness that something is about to happen and faith to believe that it will. So where is your expectation? What did you come to church expecting today? Maybe you came expecting the routine of what we would sometimes go through, three three songs or two songs, release the kids, another three songs. I get up and preach, I share, and we all go home happy. And Do we expect a move of God? Do we expect to be challenged in our heart? I hope every Sunday you come along, there's a sense of a challenge in your heart and application of how we can then make the Word work for us in our daily life. I, I, I just hope there is that expectation that when the Word is preached, signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the Word. I come every week believing and expecting that as I preach that God is moving amongst us and healings are breaking out in people's lives. Forgiveness. Someone, so, I, As I preach the word, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to them about an area of their life where they've not forgiven someone. And in the meeting here, they suddenly think, right in my heart, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to move on. I'm going to deal with that issue because it's a supernatural. Yeah. I believe for the supernatural. I believe for the God impartation. As I preach, and I'm sharing what I believe God gave me in the week, He takes what he gave me, but he's also moving amongst us. And that is the super upon our natural. That is God moving amongst us, dealing with each of our lives and each of our hearts. You you may have come in with a headache, and all of a sudden you think, I didn't really realize, but as we were worshiping, it's gone. Is that a breakout of God's miraculous power? Well, in part, I guess it is. For somebody else, it could have been a cancer that dropped away. And you think, hang on, it's gone. I couldn't move my back this morning, but it's gone. But do we come with that kind of expectation into the house of God? I know, I know when I, I was preaching out in Africa, when um, I was in the town hall, there's the largest building in, in Cape Coast. And the people who came to the meeting came with heightened expectation. Number one, there was a white man preaching. It's like, no, get over that. <laughs> There's nothing special about a white man. There's nothing special about a black man. We're all his children, amen? But there was a white man, so they all came. There's, there, there were hundreds of people turning up to this meeting. It was, it was, And people were coming forward, and they were being prayed for, and things were happening. And I got to a stage in, in praying for these long prayer cues, that I had to remove myself from the prayer queue and come away. They're all, the meeting's all still going on. I had, to, I had to separate myself away, say, Lord, this is your doing. If this is anything about me, Lord, just deal with my heart. Do not let pride rise up in my heart, because I have no, I've never seen anything like I'm seeing happen in this meeting. But people had come with a heightened expectation. It was just amazing to be a part and to, and to be involved and for, for God to be using in such a way. It was, it was humbling and yet it was exhilarating. It was, it was mind blowing and at the same time is what I expected. It, it was just all these emotions and, and, and you're going along praying for people and it's like, it was weird but amazing at the same time. But people came hungry for God. Did we come hungry? for God this morning come on I want to stir you up did you just come because it's church day or did you come hungering for the things of God in your life desiring the power of God to heat you so that you will be transformed and begin to live your life like he wants you to live it come on let's not just do church let's be the church that God can touch and transform for his glory This is what the word expectation means. It is the act or state of looking forward to an event about to happen. Something excellent is expected. It means heightened anticipation. I don't ever want to come to church just doing church. That's the day I guess I'll hang up my my Bible, hang up my, my preaching boots, and say, well, I think I've done my day. I don't ever want to be here thinking, "Well, we're just a nice bunch of people." I want God to break out. I want Him to take. In the last days, the Bible says that He's going to shake everything. That includes my life. That includes your life. Sometimes we can get so stayed in our ways. I want Him to shake, shake off the religion, shake off those things that hold us back, shake off flesh so that we can minister to him in spirit and in truth so that the so that our inhibitions are just left behind at the cross and we say now i can worship you in freedom and in truth i can worship you as i would i would want to as i would desire to however that would look the expectation of christ's birth it wasn't for nine months while Mary carried Jesus in her womb. It wasn't just you know, the angel coming and saying, hey, uh, you're going to give birth. You're a virgin, but you're going to give birth. He's going to be called the son, of the son of the most high. He's going to be Emmanuel. She, she didn't just, the, the world around her didn't just get excited because she's now carrying the child. For thousands of years, there had been an expectation. He's coming he's coming. Will he come in our lifetime? The first coming. Will he come? There was an expectation. They were looking to the prophetic. They were looking to the signs and the times in which they were in. And there was, a, there was a, almost a, not only Mary giving birth to the baby, but they were all giving birth to their expectation for thousands of years, when it was first spoken in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, it says, and the seed will come and bruise your head. It was spoken of right back in the book of Genesis, that the seed will come. The first prophecy that Jesus was going to come and he would restore that which was lost. He would restore that area of relationship that was lost because of sin, and how we, how we deal with sin in our life can be so cheap when you think of what it cost Jesus to come. And God spoke, and the seed was released in the earth. But at that time, not only was the seed released in the earth, and from generation to generation did that seed pass through, but you know what? Expectation was sown in the heart of man expectation for the Son of the living God to be born in their generation. And God released expectation upon the earth. And for 4,000 years, over and over again, messianic prophecies were released. I want to read a few of these. This is what it says in Micah. If you've got your Bible, turn to it. We'll be there at the end of the day. It's not the easiest book in the Bible to find for some. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says this. But you, Bethlehem of Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands in Judea, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one ruler in Israel whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. A word spoken that those at that time were wondering, will he come? Will it be in our generation? And they were looking and seeking and wondering, who this next person can be. Then Isaiah says this in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Do you know what? In the last days, the Bible says, and there will be signs. Here, when Jesus first came, there will be sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. I love the fact that that, that Jesus, or the Father said there's going to be signs. Follow the signs. When you see the signs, you know he's coming. When he's on his way, there will be signs upon the earth. Are we looking at the signs of our times right now? Because he said he will come back again. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I'm going to use this, I think it's next week. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and, for, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 600 years before Jesus was born, the prophets are preaching, the prophets are speaking, and the Word of God is sown into the earth. The seed is coming. And do you know what? The enemy would do everything he could, everything he could to destroy that seed. From way back in, in the days of Abraham, when all the children, Moses, sorry, when all the children were th- destroyed and thrown into, into the Nile. And then we again, we see that when Herod sent command for all the children under t- two years and under to be killed, he was trying to destroy the seed. The seed that was promised, the prophecies that were spoken of. Every time a prophet spoke, expectation arose again. Can you imagine what it would have been like in that first, the year two th- the year zero, the, the the year AD six or or uh, BC five? Can you imagine that moment? It must be. I wonder. Do you remember the moment when we were heading to the year two thousand? For those that are old enough the computers are going to crash, the aeroplanes are going to drop out the sky. Do you remember all of that? Yeah. I didn't buy a computer with my Christmas tips until three months after 2000, just in case it still hadn't happened. <laughs> but the world, everyone thought everything, the, the monetary, there were people that were getting all their money out of the banks because it was going to fall and crash. People were stockpiling food left, right and centre. Do, do you remember this? How real those moments were. That was for the year 2000. Can you imagine tipping over from BC to AD? Can you imagine what people were feeling at that time? We thought 2000 was an incredible number. A change of of before and after would have been huge. Okay, they didn't have computers crashing, but they were looking for prophecies to be answered. And all of a sudden, these things were being answered before them. They saw the signs, the wonders, the times. They begin to think, oh, maybe it's John. I I dare say there was others they were probably thinking, No, I don't think it's John. I think if they were debating who it could be, there must have been more than one. Must have been more than just John, they were thinking, I wonder if it could be him. They must have looked at someone, maybe one of the zealots, who were, who were just rising up and being so aggressive, thinking, I wonder if he's one. He's going to take the overthrow of, of, of the Roman Empire. He's going to rise up and strong and mighty in battle. There must have been more for them to debate rather than, I think it might be John. You know, he goes around with locusts in his beard and honey dripping from his chin. You know, What sort of a guy is this? They must have thought it was more than John, but John was a forerunner. Something about him captured their imagination. But then he began speaking. There comes one after me who is greater than I. I must decrease and he must increase. Oh, you imagine being in that crowd and hearing those words. It's not me, but there's one who comes after me. I'll be thinking, what? Well, right after the next one? He's going to be your child. Who, who? Who is this John? Who? Tell us. I would have got so excited. I get excited about anything, really. You know, you give me Christmas and I get excited. You give me fishing, I get excited. You give me, give me the youth group, I get excited. You put me out in kids' church. As long as I'm not in the little ones where you have to change nappies and that, I won't get excited about that. All right, but but I, I get, I can get, I'm quite excitable individual, I suppose. But I, I think I would have been so excited. When, I, when, John, when John the Baptist turned around and said, there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to undo. He's that good. He's that impressive. Would have been an amazing moment. I want to say this. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Let that drop in your heart. Have a sealer moment. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. What is expectation? It really is the biblical word for hope. I earnestly expect something good to happen. That's what hope means in a biblical sense. I earnestly expect something good to take place. Allow the expectation. Great expectations. Please don't think of Dickens. Think of the Word of God. Great expectations. My God can do anything. I don't think I ever said that about my dad when I was little. I don't think I ever turned around to my mates at school. My dad's bigger than your dad. He will beat you up. Don't think I ever said that, but I've heard other children say it, probably to me. You beat me up. My dad's bigger than your dad. I <laughs> get Anyway, but do you know what? Our God is bigger than anything. He can do anything. He can do anything at any time. He can break through in any moment, in any situation, in your life and in mine. Do we believe it? Where is your expectation? I just want to challenge some of those things in our life, I guess. Because we can't come to church without expectation. If you do, you're just going through a religious exercise. And I don't want, to, I don't want religion. You know, let's, let's get rid of religion. We're in a relationship with the living God. It is possible to come to church with hopelessness in your heart. But do you know what? Hopelessness in your heart is because you have no expectation that God will move. And and the opposite, really, of expectation is hopelessness. The opposite of hope is hopelessness. And we've got to be a people who are full of hope, full of expectation. According to my earnest expectation and hope, this will turn for my good. I believe Paul said that in one of the epistles, but it it must have been in a moment of crisis in his life. I know according to my earnest expectation and hope that this can turn for my good. Come on, do we feel that in our own heart? This will turn for my good. This will turn. Whatever the situation is, when you're walking through stuff, it's hard to believe it's going to turn. It's when your feet feel like they're going through the mud and it's hard to turn, but do you know what? The Word of God says he can turn all things around for the good of those who love him, according to his purpose. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. So let's take a hold of it and begin to live it in our everyday life. So I want to take a moment to evaluate where yours and my expectations are. And I've got four questions. First one is this. Do we really expect... That what we read in the Bible will happen in our own life. That's a great question to ask, isn't it? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. uh, Wow, you're stepping on a few toes now. You don't know what my family are like. No, no, no. I know what the Bible says. The Bible says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When when God moved in such a way with the jailer's family, his whole household was saved. So right now, you may have battled for years, witnessed for years, shared your testimony for years, but I want to to ask, where is your expectation? Here it says, in my question, do we really expect what we read in the Bible to happen in our own life? You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Is that your expectation? As well, I, I pray for so many people, but no one ever seems to. That's hopeless. Having an expectation is, he said, if I lay my hands on the sick, they will recover. Come on. This is this is me challenging you. Come on, you gotta be challenged. God, has, God challenges me in the week, so I come on Sunday to challenge you. Is that okay? because I have to prepare this, and when I'm preparing, I'm answering these questions myself, and it's like, hmm, okay. When I come to church, I have the opportunity then to do it to you, with a smile on my face. Second thought is this, do we really expect doors to be open for us that no man can shut, and doors closed in our life that no man can open? Do we believe that? That he is the doorway that opens and shuts. He knows which doors to open. He knows which doors to shut. Oh, but I really fancied that girl and I really, I don't care whether she's saved or not saved, but I'm going to just go out with her anyway. I'm going to have a relationship with her. I'm going to. Okay, so what does the word say? Doesn't the word count for anything? Do not be unequally yoked. Doesn't that mean anything to anyone anymore? It should do, because the Bible is true in that generation as what it is true in our generation. And if he says, don't be unequally the yoke with an unbeliever, don't. It will cause your life a lot of hassle. Yeah, yeah. I just tread on everybody's toes this morning. (laughs) Okay, do do we really expect God to meet our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus? See, when that scripture is written in Ephesians, I think it's 5, my God should supply all your needs according to his riches. Ephesians 3, Philippians 3, 19, or thereabouts, thank you, whoever. Philippians three nineteen, or Philippians three nineteen. thank you. Wherever it is, it's in the Bible in Philippians. You can find it and throw it, at Philippians 4, 5, anyway. My God shall supply. Previous to that, Paul is teaching that we should tithe. That we should give into the household of God. That we should be a people that bless the household of God. And then he says, and my God shall supply all your needs. Well, we can't take a scripture out of context without seeing why it's there. And if you read the whole context, it's there because the people are giving into the house of God. So we can't be people that say, I'm going to pick and choose. Oh, I like that scripture, and I'm going to take that as my own. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But I'm going to ignore the context of why and where it was written. That the household of God was being blessed and blessed and blessed. They were giving and giving and giving. It's incredible how we can fit the word to fit our life, but it doesn't fit in scripture. We've got to read the Word of God in Scripture in context. They were a giving church, living by the principles. And then, I did say tithe, they were given into the house of God. And then the last one is this. Do we truly expect to have life and have it more abundantly? Do we expect the zoe, because that's what this word means, the zoe, the God kind of life, Do we expect the God kind of life to be living through us in our daily life? Do we expect that? Do we expect every day when we wake up in the morning, the life of God is going to flow through me today? The works that I do, Jesus said, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do. That's the life of God flowing from us do we live with that kind of expectation? In the, on a, we wake up and it's like, ah, oh, I've got the life of God flowing through me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling in me. If the same spirit is dwelling in me, then he will quicken my body. He will impart strength. There is the spirit of might and boldness in me. Do, do we... Expectation. When the alarm goes off, is it, oh, it's Monday. (laughs) And then on Tuesday, it's, oh, it's Tuesday. It's it's six o'clock in the morning. Or is it, Ah, the life of God is flowing in my veins. You look in the mirror and you don't see this this person that needs a second face put on. You, You look in the mirror and you say, there is something good on the inside of me that is greater than he that is in this world come on, it's perspective. Do we have a God word expectation in our heart? That when the world sees you, they don't just see you as another human being walking down the road, but they see an anointing upon your life that is different than they've seen, than anybody else. They see a joy that knows no limit. They, know a, they see a hope in your life. When they talk to you in the tea room or they walk with you in the shops, what do they experience out of the flow of your life, touching their life? I believe that we are coming into a time and an age when either Christ in us shines through to our world or the light in us will go out. We will either burn brighter or we will drop away like, they say, like it says in the word, in the last days there will be many that fall away. We will either burn brighter, church, or we will walk away from what we know because it's not really been real all this time. Jesus said some of these things. Are we looking, the church, or the the Israel, the Jewish people, they were looking for the first coming of the Messiah. How much are we looking for the second coming? He's already been once. How much are we looking for the rapture of the church? I heard not so long ago there was somebody in church that had never heard the word rapture and had no idea what it means something's been missing in the church if people don't know what the word rapture means the calling away of the saints of the body of christ so that this world is left in darkness because the light of god has taken away the church to be with him listen to this jesus wants us to be ready amen He wants us to be looking for his second coming. Let let, let me have a look. There's got to be the same kind of expectation for his second coming as there was with the first coming. We are the people who are looking for his second coming. Are we? We we ought to be. Or his his rapture. Let's have a look. Matthew chapter 25 from verse 1. It says this, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Now, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Two camps. There's those who really just go through the the ritual of Christianity or church and those who have a heart for God and his house and are looking for the bridegroom to return. They're the two. It's not talking about the world and, and, and those in church. It's talking about... They're all virgins. They're all of the same breed. They're all of the same people. And yet there were five, and there were five who were foolish and five wise. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, no Holy Spirit, no, no, no inner walking with God on their life. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps, the light of God. And while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Let me tell you, the bridegroom is delayed. But do you know why he's delayed? Because he doesn't want any to perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. Whilst we are on the earth, we need to be truth spreaders. We need to be gospel spreaders, good news spreaders. His delay and delay and delay and delay. But there is a point that's coming, and there will be no more delay. And we will be called up to be with him In the heavens. There's going to come that moment. And then it says this. um, uh, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slept. All of them slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But while the wise answered, but, but the wise answered, saying, "No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but you go to those who sell and buy for yourselves." And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Are we watching for his return? Is it, is it, come on let's it's, it's be true we look at the look at the state of the earth right now there are there are wars and there's rumors of wars right now there's the rumor of war in israel of lebanon syria iran nothing yet from egypt but who knows there was in the last seven day war and then there could be world instability are we living in a time i i i i Right now, I don't think so, but we are living in perilous times. That I do know. How close to the end of the age are we? Some people may say, any moment, any time. I still think there's a journey to happen. But I do feel, like many people feel, it will be in our lifetime. For you who are younger, it be in your lifetime, Possibly. Those who are older, I look around the room at some of you and I know there's an expectation. I think he's going to come before I go. And they're 80-odd. And it's like, great expectations. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not fearful about going. I want to go at the right time. I don't want to go early. I, I have no desire to check out early, right? right? I'm not going to go because I'm ill. I'm not going to go because I've, I, I've, I know That I have a job to do until he comes. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to do. I'm going to be like a Phil in his 80s. I'm going to be like a mum in her 84s. I'm going to. I'm going to be. I'm just going to keep on going. Not here. Someone else is going to take this place, but I'm going to keep on going, giving of myself to the grand old age of whenever Jesus comes. But I think I will see His coming rather than going to the grave and be called up from the grave, living with an expectation. Some of you have never heard this kind of teaching. Do you know what? When I grew up, it was, it was hell, fire and brimstone when I grew up. Hell, fire and brimstone. That's what you got every single week. <laughs> You're going to hell, if you don't repent. It's like, it was like, oh boy, this is hard going. Do I really want to be in this atmosphere as a child? And no, I didn't want to be in that atmosphere. That's why we preach it somewhat different these days. But it's still a reality. For the masses outside our doors who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, hell, fire, and brimstone awaits them. That's why when Jesus said, Now you go into this world and preach the good news. Sin will not send anyone to hell. Their decision to receive Jesus in their life or not is the one thing that sends a person to hell. That's why we have good news that we can share with others that will save them from the eternal loss from God. We have a work to do. God, if I could mobilize the troops. If we believe that the rapture could happen in five years, would that make a difference to how, how we witness to others? Or maybe we, you would wait, oh, I've got another four years, I can keep living as I am, but in the last year I'll live full out for God. If you knew it was going to happen in five months' time, Would that make a difference to your Christian life? If you knew it was going to happen in five weeks' time, five days' time, would that make a difference? How different would we live if we knew he was coming back in five days? And yet we're meant to live ready every day, looking up and looking out, looking up for his return. And our hand on the plough, leading others to the Lord. Come on, church. We have a work to do. Even Paul said this, Romans chapter 13. Yeah. And do this, knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake from our sleep. I wonder if you feel like you're You're asleep. And then he goes on, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. If Paul was saying that in AD 40, and we are now 2023, how much closer are we to that end time? If, if, if a line was drawn right across the front here, here we go. Here's our line right across the front. Beginning of time... Over here, I'm not going to jump, just in case. Beginning of the time, Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the minor prophets. Silence, Malachi. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the birth of the church. Romans, Corinthians, Corinthians. Like okay, oh, you're waiting now. You're yeah, wrong order. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Revela- revel- revelation. Church age. Church age member began in the book of Acts. Church age continues. The age of grace, the dispensation of grace continues. He's delayed. The end is over there. He's delayed. You know what it's like when you're delayed? There's a traffic jam. It's like, oh, there's too many people in the way. You're delayed. You want to, you know you want to be there, but actually there's a delay. Where are we in the delay? If that is the end of the age, if that is rapture, where are we? Paul is saying, We are closer now than when we first believed. If he was saying that then, where are we now? Where are we now? That should do two things for every one of us. That should fill us with such an excitement that we could see the return of the Lord. Just like the Jews in the first, they may see him born, the Messiah arriving. They were filled with expectation and hope. We may see the ushering in of the rapture of Jesus Christ. Anybody excited about that? But between however long that gap is, there is a work to do on the earth with our sons and our daughters, with our grandchildren, with a husband or a wife, with our neighbours, with our friends. Who, 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 who in our world don't we want to go to the, be with the Lord in heaven? We can just put those over there. There shouldn't be anyone over there we should all be saying, i got to reach them. I've got to reach them. If he's delayed, i got to reach them. And there's got to be a desire and a hunger. Lord, I want to be with you, but all the time I have life on this earth, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be a voice for you, just like John was a voice for you. And where people didn't even know the difference, whether he he was John the Baptist, the ordinary John the Baptizer, the ordinary man, or whether he was the expected Messiah. Do you know what? I want to live my life so that others see Christ in me, so that I can live my life and lead others with me into eternity. I'm going to finish with this last thought. Every morning we wake, expect the unexpected. Expect God to use you. Expect someone in the tea room to turn around and say, You go to church, don't you? Oh, those moments. It's like, I've been there, I've done that. If they say that in my tea room now, it's great because we all sit there and say, Of course we go to church, we're the pastors. That's my tea room. But I've been in the building site. I've been a shipwright. I've been in the post of it. I know what it's like to rub shoulders with the world. I know what that feels like. But let your light so shine before men. Let it shine. Expect the unexpected. I've written this last thought down. The awesome power of expectation produces supernatural manifestations which bring about life-changing miracles. I'm going to read it again. The awesome power of expectation produces supernatural manifestations which bring about life-changing miracles. Life-changing. Life-transforming. That person will never get saved. Where's your expectation? Of course they can. Jesus went to the cross for them. He died for them. He died in their place so that they would encounter his love. God can do anything. In fact, he's done everything. And he said, now it's over to you. Isn't that amazing? I've run the race. I've finished the course. Paul said, have we run our race yet? I don't think so. I still want to be running. I still want to be sharing. I still want to be imparting. I still want to see transformation in people's lives. And I believe that should be the call for every believer in this room. Gonna pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you give us hope. You give hope to the hopeless. You give life to the dead. So therefore, I know that you can give hope to the hopeless. And Father, I pray right across this room, Lord, that we would encounter that expectation that anything is possible. Anything is possible because we serve a God of miracles, a God who can transform lives, a God who can, who can just break through and break down every barrier that's ever been there. We say, Father, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Lord, I pray, Lord, let let not this word be a word that we hear and walk away and forget. But Lord, I pray, seal it by your power and by your spirit. Seal it upon our hearts that we would live with great expectation that miracles would break out in our presence, but also through us, because you desire that to happen. Father, we pray that we have our eyes opened. That we would comprehend the amazing power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. I just want to pray for anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for you. He gave his life so that you could encounter his life. That you would be forgiven of sin forgiven of any mistakes, and be empowered to live for God for the rest of your life. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, and you want to know him today, I'm going to ask you to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray along with me, but I want you to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you today, and I thank you for what Jesus did for me. He died died. and he rose again again. to give me new life, to to deal with sin sin. and to separate me from my past. past. I thank you. you. He came to give me life, life. the life that you have. have. And I I receive that today. And I receive Jesus in my heart. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. You, you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed it and you know you meant it, you may not understand everything, but you prayed it and you meant it. You want Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand and then pop it back down. One, two, three. Three, if you prayed that prayer this morning, just pop up your hand. Give me a wave, pop it back down. Is there anybody in this room today? Is there anybody in this room? Thank you, Lord, I thank you. There may not be anybody in the room, but it does show how much we need to do outside of the room. So, Father, I thank you that you impart boldness into every heart and into every life, that we would live this life that you've called us to do with great power and with great grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.